You're listening to The Other Side of Texas. I'm Daniel, the Digital Millennial Guru. Stay tuned for a couple spots from our sponsors. They keep the show going. Thank you. Small business is big in West Texas, fueled by a special breed of entrepreneurs. They sow seeds of hard work and rely on each other to grow. They're all connected by a common thread that creates the character of our community, and they keep us moving forward. And no one brings small business together like First Bank and Trust. At First Bank and Trust, you get more than a bank. You get a network across this entire community. Take a step with the bank that knows how to make small business a bigger deal. On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Rolling along here, hey there. Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you roll along here on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. I'm uh, in my Red Raider hoodie and my NCAA Division I Men's Champ Basketball Championship 2019 hat. Across the back, it says Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, that's some context for how we're entering this program. We went, we saw, and we conquered. Broadcasting here from the studios that made Buddy Holly famous. You want to be a part of the program, you can do that. 806-745-5800. That's the text line, 806-745-5800. As we roll along, we're going to have Lauren McGahey of the Dallas Morning News on we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not the lieutenant governor has strayed from conservative principles, quote-unquote conservative principles. Uh, get in with Lauren here in about 10 minutes from now. Then our friend Matt Dotre could not be live in studio, so he's calling live from the roads back from the first and second rounds of March Madness. Matt Dotre covering... Texas Tech's uh, second consecutive Sweet 16 right here uh, coming up about what about 30 minutes from now we'll hear from Dotre I headed out from Lubbock on Thursday jumped on the flight got back last night about 10 o'clock and this is what we do know about I just some general some general <clears throat> impressions about the flight trip road trip up to Tulsa I lived in Tulsa for a lot of years I'm really surprised about their downtown I think it would <clears throat> make a lot of people who are looking at Lubbock's downtown salivate to see with what Tulsa has done in their downtown. That's number one. Uh, but a lot of that has to do with a little town up north, Bartlesville, where there's a lot of oil money. Not saying that great things can't happen in downtown Lubbock, but certainly going to take some investment. Um, the Bank of Oklahoma Center, the BOK Center, is where the game was played. And that's where we went, saw, and conquered. 
But let me say this. This is a state-of-the-art facility. Um, and the facility itself was wanting, and I'll tell you why. Because the men's facilities, at least on the first floor, as you walked up and up to the concourse, five stalls, five stalls and five stalls only, and that posed a problem, and the problem was like a 50-deep line. You know, you get a Jones Stadium, and Jones Stadium being as old as it is, you have, what, three times as many stalls. You may be in the line for a little while, but, man, the BOK Center, state-of-the-art facility, and you're back 50 people before you get to a stall. It's a real, I can tell you this firsthand experience, it's a real beer deterrent. That's uh, like some sub-prohibition activity right there, that you don't want to have your bladder full because you will be in line for a very long time. Like, really, during halftime, you would be in line for half of the half at least half of the half in order to access the restrooms. These are first world problems, I know. The other thing I learned, and this is for the common man, always looking out for the common man here. I, on Sunday, going into, they called the the first two games on Thursday, the first session, the second The third and fourth games were the second session. And then on Sunday, you had two games, uh, Houston and uh, who played there? Uh, It was uh, Houston and Ohio State. Um, Had to do some background work because not involved with enough NCAA tournaments. Trying to figure out. What's the play here? Do you go on to StubHub like I did? And the way it works is you find some tickets. It's usually about $300 per session. And then they'll put in another like $100 fee on top of it for tickets. Uh, But why are all these people outside the stadium selling tickets? And I learned real quickly, you want really good tickets to NCAA tournament. And I am not a shark nor do i play one on the radio it's just for posterity's sake going forward i would put a five dollar bill in a guy's hand and say okay you tell me i don't want to buy tickets but if i wanted to buy the tickets that you had right now which were pretty good tickets fairly close to the floor in good set in good sections what what's it cost me and they would say eh, about 60 80 dollars a ticket and that's for the entire session that's for the two games there so just some word to the wise is texas tech presuming we don't lose chris beard going forward you want to show up and not buy your tickets beforehand you probably get some some ample tickets out in that's if they aren't fake i know i've got a lot of things a lot of a lot of plates spinning here but for legitimate tickets 
60 80 bucks for two games and probably see the tournament on one seat for about 180 between 150 and 180 dollars and that's what i learned um but my big gripe the big gripe the worst of the weekend the restroom lines at the bok that's not okay be okay and something needs to be done about that maybe you guys can go in and demo and start over again but those lines are way too long i couldn't imagine being at a concert coming in with a full bladder and missing like the first quarter of the concert because i'm in the line to the restroom Lauren mcgahi coming up my matt dotre following as he's on the road back to lubbock from tulsa oklahoma appreciate you tuning in to this edition of the other side of texas take a quickie break be right back with you here on the program for better weather you were saying with a grin to the sound of hailstones didn't tend it's loud enough you gotta yell now the whole thing hits me like a song a pretty one it won't last long laura mcgahi state capital reporter for the dallas morning news about to chime in with us here on the program here's the first part of the story uh the more things change the more things don't stay the same that was my own subtitle to her piece dateline austin lieutenant governor dan patrick prides himself on being thought of as one of the most conservative leaders in texas he certainly earned that title patrick has championed school vouchers he's proposed cutting college financial aid and during the last legislative session he led the push for a bathroom bill now i might be a simple boy from hale county but i don't recall those being major conservative issues um, to go against public schools and to cut financial aid Um, might just be me uh, but that's not what i would typify as conservative but now some of his allies are criticizing him for being too moderate she is lauren mcgahi with the dallas morning news lauren how are you good how are you doing glad to have you on the program again it's been of some course. time thanks for having me been way too long <laughs> sure well you're just gonna have to call me more often then yeah i'll just text you more often on sunday mornings hey lauren <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow uh so we just queued up your lead there in your piece in Dallas Morning News. Some of Dan Patrick's allies are now criticizing him for being too moderate. What day have we reached in which Dan Patrick at any point is being called too moderate, Lauren? Well, I found the criticism really interesting, which is why I wrote about it, because uh, because it, it did seem rather surprising, right? I mean, Dan Patrick has has, I think, earned uh, the reputation as being, um, you know, one of the most uh, conservative far-right leaders in Texas. Um, But, you know, some of his staunchest supporters aren't happy with the priorities he's chosen this year. They say, you know, some of the red meat issues of the past aren't on his list, and uh, they're not happy about it. Uh, Julie McCarty from the Northeastern 
Tarrant Tea Party, excuse me, uh, says this in your piece. The lieutenant governor's list of priorities is not quite what we've come to expect from Dan Patrick. And yes, we are disappointed to see him moving to the middle of the road. How is he moving to the middle of the road, Lauren? Well, their criticism, both uh, Julia McCarty and Empower Texans, whose uh, President uh, Michael Quinn Sullivan wrote uh, another piece critical of, of the priorities of Dan Patrick, both of them say that there are some big ticket items that are missing from the lieutenant governor's list of priorities this year. We're talking things like capping um, tuition uh, at Texas colleges and universities. We're talking about the bathroom bill. We're talking about you know these these highly divisive issues um even uh more mainstream um conservative proposals like uh uh franchise tax proposals none of those are on his his list this year and they what say would, that that it what would sorry, some franchise tax proposals be just for context well, here i mean like the the ability we're talking about tax relief this year right it's such a major part of the conversation and yet everyone seems to be on the same page about these revenue cap bills but in the past patrick has proposed bills that would eliminate different kinds of taxes completely and this year we're not seeing that we're seeing him you know on the same page with governor greg abbott and speaker dennis bond and so far on these tax proposals and so you know they're saying we'd like to see him go a little bit further we'd like to see him bring back some of these more uh, controversial or sometimes divisive um, conservative bills that he's brought in the past. Uh, Patrick totally pushes against this and, you know, has, has been really lauding this kumbaya moment um, in the legislature. But, uh, you know, we'll just have to see whether this criticism bears out uh, when when uh, his campaign coffers are opened up again after the session to see if, you know, if the, these groups actually put their money where their mouth is, I guess you could say. Yeah, Lauren McGaughy with the Dallas Morning News making time for us here. Um, the list of priorities is not quite what they've come to expect from Dan Patrick. Are there other things out there that they wanted Patrick to come with that he's not come with? Uh, I think it's more a criticism of what is currently on the priority list. There hasn't been a lot. I haven't seen a lot of proposals for we wish he had this on on his priority list. Because um, he usually does a list of 30. For listeners, let yeah, me just 30. interject. Mm-hmm. He usually does, you know, it was really featured in the 85th legislature. These are my 30 priority items. Uh, but he didn't necessarily do that this time around. Not at least in big public press releases. Right, Lauren? Right. I mean, he does have 30 priorities, and he did he did put a press release out this year with his 30 priorities. But the only one that we've really heard him talking at length about is his $5,000 teacher pay raise proposal. Um, and this is one of the, the bills that has been criticized by some conservative groups like the Texas Public Policy Foundation. They won't outwardly... Uh, reject the lieutenant governor's bill, but in the past they have called across-the-board teacher pay raises wasteful, a wasteful use of taxpayer money. And now the lieutenant governor 
who is a favorite of TPPF, is is proposing such legislation. And it's really the only, um, other than tax relief and school finance, it's the only priority of Patrick's that he's really heartily pushing. Um, the other 27 priorities, you know, they came out in a press release, like you said, but we haven't we haven't heard a ton about them outside of, uh, you know, the debate that's currently going on in the legislature. Uh, this kumbaya moment, I mean... I'm gonna. Some listeners are gonna get frustrated with me, kind of like uh, special interests and think tanks get intre- get uh, bothered by Patrick. But it seems like Patrick. I think a lot of people would agree that he shifted the debate now. That uh, you know, in the 85th and previous, you know, back in 2017. He went after really conservative stuff, but he shifted the grounds now where people are having to deal with him. And so maybe you still don't, and this is just my hypothetical, you follow this every day, Lauren, but maybe he doesn't have to go after the red meat that he once went after because now they're dealing with him on his terms. Do you think that that's a fair way to describe it? He's definitely shifted the debate on school finance. Um there, that is, you know, one of the biggest priorities of everyone in Austin this year. And but no one was talking about across the board pay raises for teachers before Patrick made it a priority. So he's definitely, in that sense, shifted that very important debate towards him, towards one of his priorities. And there are concerns that some of these long-fought uh, issues, you know, a year spent drafting a proposal for school finance might be derailed or overshadowed by his his across-the-board pay raise because teachers want it. They like it. It sounds great to them, right? So he definitely is, uh, you know, in some way dominating that part of the conversation. Um, It's also interesting to note that just today, uh, or or yesterday rather, he he, kind of teased the possibility of a special session or multiple special sessions if they don't pass what he called substantial property tax relief. And uh, we just published a story just a matter of minutes ago where the governor and the speaker are pushing back on that and saying, we don't, we, we shouldn't be talking about special sessions. We don't need to be working overtime on these issues. We can get this done in the mm-hmm. regular order of business. So we're already seeing him, you know, kind of again saying, if, if we don't get to these priorities, I'm, you know, I'm going to be calling for this months in advance. Um, which is something he did in 2017 when he he said, I'm going to be okay with uh, threatening to force a special session if the bathroom bill and property tax relief didn't don't pass. So it's very familiar kind of playbook that we're seeing him use now. Yeah, Lauren McGaughy, Dallas Morning News, state capital reporter with us here on the program. I want to go to, um, it is fascinating. I'm so glad that you wrote the piece. It was very timely before the before the House takes up the budget, before you get into the school finance debate that will come up next week in the House. Um, it is fascinating to me that it seems to me very coy of the lieutenant governor that let's put money in the pockets of personnel, the teachers, Rather than, and let me just for lack of better words say, bureaucracy. Let's not put it into Texas education. Let's put it into their employees' pockets. That's essentially the stand that Patrick's made on 
um, improving public education, right, is that he said, let's give it to the teachers, not to the independent school districts. Yes, that, that is his stance. And, and that would be, quote-unquote, conservative, right? Well, it, I mean, it, if you ask uh, certain groups, they would say that that is more conservative than handing it over to administrators, for sure. Um, we are seeing the, a rift on that issue between him, between Patrick, and leaders in the House who uh, are saying they would prefer to give it to the school districts and, and let them decide what to do with that money. So that's definitely a rift that's growing. What's interesting about Patrick's call for putting it directly in teachers' in teachers' pockets, as you said, um, is that while you know that might look more conservative to some people to do it that way, you know the TPPFs of the world are saying this uh, this idea of giving everybody a pay raise is not a conservative idea. That you know teachers and and educators should be paid paid based on merit, based on who's doing a good job. And so um, it, it's interesting the the kind of split there on the yeah. issue that we're seeing from from some of these policymakers. Isn't it interesting though, Lauren, is that you've covered this and you've seen this upheaval. Democrats have a real edge to the extent that they cannot show up for a committee hearing today in the House. And I don't want to go off in the weeds, but not show up. So therefore, there's not a quorum on a committee. That's the the clout that Democrats have gained so that Patrick can go back. And I'm just going to use that one example to extrapolate and say, you know what? You can talk about what's conservative all day long. My position now is to talk about what's more conservative and What's more conservative is putting this in teachers' pockets than putting it in administrators' budgets. Well, and he also uses the example of the CPS caseworkers from last year. He says, you know, when we give pay raises to these CPS caseworkers who have a ton of work to do and there's turnover, and we didn't ask them who was a better caseworker. We just gave them a pay raise, and it's high time that we give Texas teachers a pay raise and and look that's a very popular idea um it it's there hasn't been uh, a, a pay raise from the state for teachers in, in a number of years and teachers have butted heads with Patrick over in the past over vouchers um you know parochial, parochial and private school funding charter schools and now they see their former opponents offering them a four billion dollar boon and they're saying hey we'll we'll take it where we can get it yeah uh lauren i was just riffing before you came on that uh there in your second paragraph that a conservative leader in texas is uh he is certainly dan patrick has certainly earned the title as a conservative leader in texas he's championed school vouchers he's proposed cutting college financial aid and during the last legislative session, he led the push for a bathroom bill. In this part of the world, Lauren, it wasn't called a bathroom bill. It was called a shower bill. You don't want juniors going in to shower, junior boys going into showers, athletic showers with your seventh grade girls. And you can call that a scare tactic. You can call it, it was a tactic nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um but out in this part of the country where Dan Patrick ran commercials relentlessly against Mike Collier, uh, as did other statewide electeds who barely won by 6%, 
That's called conservative. Is Dan Patrick now the arbiter of what's called conservative in Texas? Is he looked at as the denominator between what's conservative and what's liberal and what's right and what's left? Oh, I don't know if I can answer that question. (laughs) It's a good one, though. I mean, I think that's a conversation for the Republican Party, Republican circles. You know, we, we... are putting people on a, a spectrum, right, this year of who's liberal, or now with who's liberal and who's conservative. But these conversations, when you go into the the um, the conferences, the Texas uh, GOP, um, you know, annual, semi-annual conference that they do, these are some of the most far-right members. And then when we talk about primary voters, these are some of the most far-right. So I think the definition of conservative is really up to Republicans and up to those inner circles to have those conversations. But I hope they're having them because it's a really interesting question and one that is becoming increasingly murky, murkier as we see these divides. You know, it's we used to say that there were um, three parties in Texas when the Democrats were in power because Democrats would split between the two of them, right? And now we have splits within the Republican Party. Um, so there's the Republicans, the Republicans, and the Democrats. And I, I think that there's always going to be disagreement over what a true liberal is, what a true true conservative is, but that's not, I don't think that's you know, me to, for me to answer that question. Well, but um, look, I raised the question to ask you this, Lauren. In mm-hmm. this part of Texas, and I saw even the Lubbock County Republican Party the other day put up a post on their Facebook um, running down public education, which in this part of the state, you know, it's I don't want to bore you with stuff that you might have already heard me say, but it's a constellation of rural independent school districts in uh, the lifeblood of communities is their public education system. And we're going to run down public education. Like, I don't think that's what conservatives in this part of the state think about whenever they think about liberal and conservative. So I don't know how well it plays for the lieutenant, or maybe the lieutenant governor knows more than I think he knows in that I'm going to give teachers a pay raise. I'm going to give, you know, this teacher in Spring Lake Earth $5,000 more, which would be, you know, I would venture to say a seventh more than they made last year. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he knows more than TPPF. Maybe he knows more than Julie McCarty. Maybe he knows more than Michael Quinn Sullivan. Well, let me ask you, who, who do you think the arbiter of the term conservative should be? Is that up to the top leader? Is that the governor's job? Is that some think tank? Who should answer that question? Well, I mean, my first three options are all out of Houston, so I don't know. Um, <laughs> I I would think that Bonin, of all, the Speaker of the House, would be able to delineate what's liberal and conservative. Uh, because he deals with a, a large group of, of people with the term GOP tied to them? Uh, yeah, I think that he's more on the ground, and that's what's so fascinating about the House, right, is that... You're more connected in with your superintendents, with your local communities. And, you know, the aforementioned issue of Democrats not showing up to create a quorum in a Texas House committee, that for me is more of a of a signal on what's liberal and what's conservative. 
Well, and, and to put that into context even further, there was one Republican who was not there. And once he got there, they did have a quorum. So they didn't tech- technically need the Democrat Mays to have that quorum. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it was, um, I think it was go, Morgan Meyer, okay, actually. Okay. So yeah. You're right. But, um, I'm you sorry. Bring up, you, bring right. up an interesting, you bring up an interesting point, Who though. Who won by, like, idea. 200 points, right? <laughs> a small margin. Okay, yeah. so but now that we mention up, it, I'm sorry, let me interject. Sorry, go ahead. Go I ahead. hate to listen to radio and have the host interjecting, but <laughs> go ahead and talk for, now that we've talked about what's ideologic, ideologically conservative and liberal in Texas, let's talk about the, con- give give listeners a 30 second on what the context is of what we're mentioning here. What, what do you mean by by the, the, the committee meeting, the quorum, what was up for vote? Uh, sure, sure. So uh, there was a House committee uh, today that was supposed to debate this bill called the Texas Born Alive Infant Protection Act. It's a bill that would penalize doctors who don't do everything in their power to try to save the life of an infant who survives an abortion. This is very rare um, that it happens, uh, but they want to, to put some penalties on doctors who don't who don't do that. And uh, they needed um, all of their Republicans uh, to have a quorum, so they needed a certain number of bodies in the room to even hold the meeting. And there was hail up in North Texas and problems with flights and all kinds of problems and issues. And so they didn't have enough people to start um, because they were missing one of their Republicans. But it became more of a political show showing because a number of Democrats for women said that they were not going to take part in the debate because they thought that it was an attempt to restrict abortion access uh, for women, restrict restrict their choice of having an abortion. And so it, while it was kind of a logistical problem to start with, it became a, a showing for Democrats and specifically Democrat women to say, you know, we're not even going to take part in a debate that we think is, you know, uh, unethical or or just you know flat out wrong. So that's what they did. Yeah. And it was it was a really interesting thing because you know we've seen this in the past uh, when Democrats had more clout in in the Texas House and now they have a little bit more this year and uh, we're seeing them flex their muscles a little bit. Well, Lauren, let me leave you with this. This is my always my definition of conservative, and this is just where this little rural outpost on the Caprock. So just for for context, but conservative, the derivative is to conserve and what conserves the place. And so whenever I see some of these actions being called conservative, I think, well, you can't have a place. If that, is that too nebulous? For, does that make sense that if we're going to, if we're going to call public education like the spawn of the devil, well, there are a lot of places out here that wouldn't exist without it. Does that make sense? It does, and, and you know, I'm always interested in having these kinds of conversations because Texas is such a big state that different words do mean different things that t- depending on where you are. Um, we've seen that with the stances that Senator Kel Seliger has, has taken over the past several years and his disagreements with the lieutenant governor over issues like education. So... Uh, it's one of the reasons why Texas is so fascinating because yeah. uh, it's such a huge place that you know you never know what might what might come up and what answer you might get. There you go, and that's why I want one of those uh, "Give Them Kale" shirts, Lauren McConnell. <laughs> 
Hey, I appreciate you making time. You can always read Lauren McGahee's coverage. You can follow her. It's L. McGahee on Twitter, right? Yes, that's right. And uh, follow her stuff there at the Dallas Morning News. Appreciate you making time, Lauren. Thanks again. All right. Uh, Lauren McGahee, Dallas Morning News. And uh, with that, we're going to get you into a break. Catch up with our friend Matt Dotre on the road. Uh, covering some March Madness. All these episodes you can find anywhere you can find a podcast. Just go and search Other Side of Texas and subscribe. Leave us a rating. See how we're doing. Appreciate you tuning in. Be back in a couple of minutes right here on The Other Side. for something that I still care about. I'm looking up to the sky. When you're best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. I'm a big, big man. Not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon, down to drop the spill. Yeah, I'm a bottomless canyon, down to drop the spill. Hey, I don't know if you heard or not, but I'm uh, the big new real estate magnate in Lubbock and want to help you. Not that I own real estate. I just deal with it. And if you need any real estate, whether that's industrial, commercial, or residential, just contact me, j.leeson at mcdougal.com. Give me a call on my cell phone. I'm going to give you my cell phone right here publicly. Get your pen ready. 806-543-1317. That's 806-543-1317. Headed back from March Madness, he is our friend, Matt Dotre. When am I going to sell you a house, Dotre? (laughs) Not for a long time. Not at the pace I'm going, but but thanks, Jay. (laughs) Okay, so where are you now? What mile marker? We just passed Hail Center. Uh, All right. I don't know what mile marker, for sure. So we're making progress. We're close. You're getting there. Uh, your impressions of the weekend there as you covered March Madness, Matt Dotre. Yeah, it was good. It was neat. It was a neat experience. Did you see me on Sunday? Right? Press row? It was pretty cool. Man, you got to sit press row. Yeah, it was pretty neat. But uh, One of the guys yeah, that has I, the dumbfounded face while they're reviewing the calls? Right, Exactly. <laughs> but no, it was good. Take, take care of business, it looks like. Uh, we won, what, both games by an average of like 17 points? So, yeah, took care of business. And Admittedly, uh, you're like one of the biggest tech homers of all time. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. So I wasn't writing like game recaps or anything. Uh, that would have been just, yeah. <laughs> yeah that would have been too much for me. But, you know, so I was there, yeah, kind of writing about, I guess, the tech, uh, experience and as you saw a bunch of tech fans i mean it was it was rowdy uh especially with the raider powered fans and yeah a bunch of tech fans especially on sundays i'm surprised a bunch of people must have dove up just for that one game i think they did it seemed like there were twice as many tech fans on sunday as there were on thursday right 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 well so the red kind of throws you off too because i mean there was a bunch of houston fans or there was a good amount of houston fans wearing red so it was just a good texas crowd to say 
Uh, I wouldn't give that all to Houston, though. I mean, whenever you looked up and you were listening to the Raider Power chants, they're on, I don't know, let me think about my directions for just a moment. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know my directions well enough. I don't know which side of the, they were packed into the tech sections, like the tech band extended up to half yeah. court on both sides. And yeah. they were um, all out Raider power. Uh-huh. Did uh-huh. you see my crappy seats? I, I did. And then I was looking for you, and I couldn't find you. Um, so you were stuck behind the band, which it, is, that's, in, a, that's a newbie, that's a newbie mistake, Jay. That's, yeah. It was not, <laughs> it was not the best decision. I'll give you that. Um, but it seems, but you snuck into better seats on Friday, but then were you back in the not so good seats on Sunday? No, there wasn't a band. So behind the goal, on both sides of the goal, they have a band. And so our seats on Sunday didn't have a band in front of us. On Friday, they did. Uh, So we snuck over to the other side of the goal. Uh And then the Gestapo came in and said, those aren't your tickets. You need to go back to where you were. So we had to sit behind the opposing uh, band there from northern Kentucky. Which, you know, I had a problem with at the time, but... Man, that Northern Kentucky, it was really cool to watch them. Never could they have dreamt, dreamt that they were going to be in that position. And sure. so you you kind of overlook having a tuba in your way to um, uh, how cool an experience this must be for these kids. You know, over the right. four years in their college experience, here they are. They're in the big dance. And the guy put his tuba down every once in a while. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I agree with you about the Northern Kentucky folks and even like the coach and the players. So, you know, I was down with like the media skirmish with all like the news conferences and all that stuff. Wait, so, but where were you on Friday? Were you down like in the cameraman that was getting jumped over by Culver or <laughs> No, no. So well, I was no, I was up in the nosebleeds on Friday. No did way. You, did you did you see the row of like black tables up in the upper deck? No. There was like a there was also like a media area up top. So Friday I was up top, but I was working on a couple stories. So it was it was kind of nice because I was basically just working, and then like the arena was my office. Are you working? Cool. Are you working? So on Sunday you've got prime seats, and you're having to write at the same time that you're watching the game. Um. Yeah, I mean that's what I was supposed to be doing. Come but on, on, but on Sunday I basically took the day off, oh, <laughs> so okay. I right. just sat there. Yeah, uh, but no, the Northern Kentucky team players, coaches seem cool, very complimentary. Uh, the Buffalo players seemed overconfident um, on uh, the day before, so I guess that was Saturday. They seemed a bit overconfident, and then on, uh, and then during like the post game press conferences. They weren't too complimentary, so Tech being Buffalo, you know, because you always feel bad for the kids, uh, I didn't feel as bad about, if that makes any sense. Uh, you didn't feel bad for them. Yeah, yeah. Of course you didn't. Matt Dotre, Lubbock Avalanche <laughs> Journal. Who are you driving with right now? So, uh, driving is Brad uh, Tolleson. The he photographer? The yeah, the video photo mogul. And then in the backseat, Carlos, uh, basketball, uh, sports, 
Carlos Drew. Silva. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. What was their favorite part of the tournament? Let's just turn this thing on speakerphone. What was their favorite part? <laughs> I think it was just the food. The favorite part of the tournament? I think it was just the food. Dude, the <laughs> the bathrooms were a travesty. Can you back me up on this? They were, yes, absolutely. Um, that's funny that you mentioned that. It was not good. So you couldn't go at halftime because everyone was going at halftime. So you had to plan out, kind of like you do at tech football games, you had to kind of plan out your bathroom breaks like three minutes before halftime just so you can like get it over with really fast. And then miss parts but, of the game. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, the, re- the arena I thought was pretty neat. Tulsa delivered. I thought Tulsa was neat. It was just, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Where'd y'all stay? At the embassy? So, no, we were at. They had like a media hotel. It was, um, it was like the A loft, I think it was. It was in walking distance. Uh, oh, nice. Walking distance to the arena. So it all worked out perfect. It was really neat. But you had to scramble to the embassy to get your shots with Tolson. Yeah, yeah. We woke up, uh, I guess, 7 30 that morning. We were told that. Ooh, to no casinos for you, buddy. No, we, we were told that <laughs> the send off was going to be at 9 30 or something. Uh, and then I got bumped to 10.50, and I was freaking out because I didn't know if I was going to get a spot uh, at, like, the media table because that was first come, first serve. Um, so that morning was a mess, but it all worked out. It was all good. Hmm. Uh, got, to, got to interview some players, which was neat. Uh, the lot, you know, tech players, they're, they're really nice. So, like, the whole – they just opened it up the locker room, which is hard to believe. Yeah. Um, after game so you know it's pretty easy to do whenever you're winning i know exactly so the feature (laughs) the feature pieces that you wrote were you had uh the story about the blind manager what's his name yeah colin colin and then you wrote one on hans's lucky jacket hans's lucky jacket i finally got to that which i previewed on your show last week Mm -hmm. yeah we previewed it yeah and then wrote the story about john the bus driver um, and then I wrote one sports story, which was about Mooney and um, Owen, about, like, the grad transfers. Yeah, the fifth-year grad transfers. And for sure, yeah. yeah. Just about the, their first, like, tournament experience. Yeah. And, man, they played so cool, too. They acted like they'd done this a lot of times. I was really for surprised sure. that neither had been in that atmosphere before. Right, yeah. Seemed to handle it really well, especially, like, our young players like Corporu. You know, it's his first time in the turn in the NCAA tournament. Edwards, it's his first time. So, yeah, pretty cool kids. And then yesterday's game was so much fun, just because like, you know, Nolan Sodiase is kind of the fan favorite. So it was cool to see him have such a good game. Yeah, I mean, he was almost double double halfway through the first half. He, yeah, for sure. Uh, someone had this stat. I think it was a reporter for the uh, Tulsa World. Yeah, that was Dorn Sodiase's second double-double of his career. Uh, the first one was like his first start or something like that. So he came uh, full circle. Man, you can't let the Tulsa world scoop you on that. That's just a good stat. That, that's okay. hard to come by. All right. <laughs> so here's the big question. You going out to Anaheim? No, no. I'm back to the, back to the day job tomorrow. I'm just uh, I'm not going to send you to Anaheim. 
Nope, I'm a one weekend and done. Wait, but you um, got the you got the corporate meetings in the morning. There's always a chance. No, oh no, uh, Brad and Carlos, they're on the next flight tomorrow morning. They're already gone. But no Dotre. No Dotre. <laughs> I get left behind. So if we lose, if you lose, I think we know why. Man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh... <laughs> Let, let's put the publisher on three-way. You want to? No, that's a bad idea. That's a terrible Is idea. Is that a, a terrible idea? That's <laughs> yeah, a bad idea. Um, no, I mean, no, not sending me to Anaheim, but it is what it is. I need, I need my Matt Dotre features from Anaheim. That's what I need. I appreciate you saying that. I'll just have to... Uh, we could put together like a GoFundMe account for you to go to Disney World and everything, Disneyland. <laughs> I think that money. I think that money can go to uh, things much better spent. <laughs> no, right. no. We don't trade to Anaheim. I'm going to tweet it right now. Do not do that at all. That's a really idea. Yeah. There's a city council. Yeah, I'm, there's a city council meeting tomorrow. Oh come on! Who cares about city council right now? Hashtag no triad city council is what needs to start trending. Let's uh, get some city. Let's get some city council coverage. I actually have uh, <laughs> I have studio support in here right now, and I've written on my iPad, "Call Grantfield." <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, if I'm a city council, I got city council meetings where I belong. Okay, your favorite piece that you wrote this weekend was? The Colin Baxter piece. I don't know if you've read it. I think people would need to read it. Um, I mean, yeah. Because? Oh, it's just he's an overall good kid. I, what he means to the team, I don't think it'd be understated. Um, you know, he's around the team. He he's blind. The players. Yeah, so tragic story. He lost his eyesight uh, when he was 20. And, um, you know, didn't know if he was going to go back to school. Coach Beard kind of took him under his wing. Um, he's now a, a volunteer team manager, uh, sits with the radio guys during basketball games so he can listen to the game. And, um, yeah, just an all-around inspiration. And uh, and I'm sure people like go to tech games, I've seen him before. Um, you know, he's there with his dog, Chase. And then, uh, you know, when they came back to Lubbock uh, after they won the Big 12 tournament, he was the first one to cut down the net so yeah good kid wow what a sight that would be yeah huh yeah um well i want you to pass along to carlos and uh to brad they've done good work here very good i will do that but so what are your but plans? you are you, you really did the best work i mean let's not lie <laughs> okay well, are you and Mr. Leeson, are you on the next flight to Anaheim? I, no, know? no, I'm I'm tapped out at this point. We're um, okay. The kids are not going to Disneyland, and there will not be an Anaheim. Um, okay. We've got budget priorities at the Leeson Ponderosa. So, Fair, um, understood. I flew up and flew back on for the what wound up to be the Sweet 16. But, um, yeah. what do you think about Michigan? No, go. It's still Carlos's thunder here. What do you think about Tech and Michigan? Well, I don't know anything about Michigan to be honest. I've heard um, that there are mirror, still... there are mirror opponent. They do exactly okay. what we do. Okay, which is just 
you're going to crush you on defense. Delane. Yeah. And, you know, they've got a star, but they don't need the star. They can go to other guys, too. Do they still have that kid from Germany who was – well, how far did they get last year? Were they in the finals last year? Uh, no. But okay. I can't answer anything further than that. Just okay. like I said, put Carlos on speakerphone. I don't know. I don't know about Michigan at all. I don't think we do either. It's still we're still in uh, drive back mode. All right, man. <laughs> so, you guys are yeah. almost home now. You got to beat Abernathy by now. Yeah, yeah. You're home too. Yeah. Um, I I don't think we passed it yet, but we're almost there. So, but I don't know. You know, I was. I stuck around and I watched that Ohio State game afterwards. Ohio State, Houston. I just feel like Tech had the best team in Tulsa. So, I don't know. I feel like we're going to be – we're going to do all right in Anaheim. You know, a uh, political question for you. Ted Cruz yeah. took Houston to go further than Texas Tech. Your thoughts? He did. <laughs> well, he also had Tech in the final, so I guess props to that. Um, what – Someone had the tweet where I guess Ted Cruz forgot where his base was already. Um, oh, hot I, political <laughs> take from Dotre. <laughs> well, you set me up. That was a softball. Yeah. So I just think, you know, he wasn't showing what Texas love. Dotre, appreciate you making time, buddy. Thanks, Jay. It was, it. It was good accommodations, time. though. Everybody treated you right. and uh, They did. They did. I just had to look like I belonged. Yeah, you do belong, buddy. Thanks, thanks Jay. Biggest I, I Red Raider it. fan around. All right, buddy. <laughs> Y'all take care of the uh, last 30 minutes of the trip. Appreciate you making Perfect. time to tune in. Yes, sir. And I'll see you next Monday. In. All right, buddy. Yep. Thank Talk you, Matt. Bye. Yeah, bye. Bye. Matt Dotre. And uh, get in with a... Oh, this is the end of the show. Appreciate you tuning in wherever you can get a podcast. You can find us. Facebook.com, other side of Texas, at OSTX Show on Twitter. Gonna get home, gotta get home, great family, above average dinner. Until next time, rave on, buddies, rave on.